Hey everyone, welcome to Experience Ministries Discipleship Podcast. I'm Dave Smewin, your host. And I'm Angie, your co-host. We're excited to share biblical principles to help us live our faith and glorify the Lord Jesus. This is episode 43. There are three essential things that everyone should know about deceptions. The first is that deceptions are based on the lie that what God has provided isn't good enough. And second, deceptions appeal to human desires. And third, deceptions are a distortion of the truth. So today's passage is Colossians 2, 1 through 9. And we're answering these questions. What are deceptions and why are they so appealing? So all of us have been deceived in one way or another. We have. Um, When I was young, I had this thing about black cats. I believed that if a black cat crossed in front of you, you couldn't walk through its path. You had to wait for somebody else to go through first or you had to walk around it because if you broke that path, it would mean bad luck. That would be very inconvenient. It was very inconvenient. It's kind of a silly superstition. It's really dumb, actually. But, I mean, how many of us have believed some really crazy stuff in our lives? A lot of us. So, I've, uh, I've had some where deceptions that when I was younger, I believed that redheads were a bad thing. And I'm not so much of a redhead anymore, but when I was younger, I was a redhead. And I used to believe that it was a bad thing because of the way people talked about redheads. So these are really simple deceptions, but they really are life impacting. Yes. Because they alter how we interact, what we think, what we do in life. And there are many other deceptions. I wish that the black cat thing was the worst deception I ever believed, but it wasn't. So what kind of crazy deceptions have you believed? Maybe it's a superstition. Maybe it's something really big and it altered your faith or the way you viewed yourself or something like that. Think about it for a minute while we read Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 through 9 for today's study. For I desire to have you know how greatly I struggle for you and for those at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be comforted they being knit together in love and gaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding, that they may know the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden. Now this I say, that no one may delude you with persuasiveness of speech. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit rejoicing and seeing your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, even as you were taught, abounding in it in thanksgiving. Be careful that you don't let anyone rob you through this philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the elements of the world, and not after Christ. For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells bodily. The early church was no stranger to false teaching, to cults, and to cleverly devised deceptions. In fact, in this passage and in chapter 1, Paul uses the term mystery and also the term hidden knowledge and wisdom multiple times. Now, these terms were well known 
and they were used by the Gnostics because the Gnostics taught that they had secret wisdom that no one else had. They taught that they had a secret knowledge that no one else had. And it was one of the deceptions that Paul is confronting here. Now, Paul doesn't confront it, you know, line by line, system by system. But what he does do is he speaks the truth to confront these deceptions that are coming against the church. Now, in addition to the Gnostics, there were all kinds of false teachings, of heresy, of astral guide teachings, and just all kinds of crazy things that entered the early church. But there are all kinds of stuff that enters the church today. There is philosophies, there's human wisdom, there's what we call knowledge, which is really human philosophy, in the church today, just like it was then. And so what we see here is Paul is really confronting these deceptions by speaking truth. So the early church actually sounds a lot like the church today, full of deceptions and all kinds of stuff. So what is a deception? Well, a deception is anything that misleads us, anything that tricks us or causes us to believe a lie rather than the truth. And deceptions can be, you know, intentionally uh, propagated or, or put out there, or they can be unintentionally promoted. It can kind of go either way because sometimes we, we say things and we promote things that aren't true and we don't even realize that. So it sounds like a self-deception. That's kind of a self-deception or like sometimes we pass on, you know, information that's just not accurate. But there are also times when it is very intentional to deceive. And we see that all over in our culture. There are really three things that I want us to understand about deceptions today. And the first one is that deceptions are based on the lie that what God has done, what God has provided, is not good enough. And so we get this right out of Genesis chapter 3. So Angie, if you read Genesis 3, 1 through 5, I want to talk about three things in that passage that really apply to this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any animal of the field which Yahweh God had made. He said to the woman, Has God really said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the tree of the garden, but not the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said you shall not eat of it. You shall not touch it lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You won't really die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. One of the things I want us to see in this passage is that the serpent was more crafty than any of the other creatures that God made. And so I want us to understand, don't underestimate the devil. Don't underestimate the serpent, Satan, or those in his kingdom because they can be incredibly deceptive. And if we underestimate them, then we can fall into that deception very, very easily. So deceptions are close to the truth. In fact, sometimes a deception is hidden in the truth. And so we have to be really careful to recognize that just because something sounds close to truth doesn't mean it is. We really need to understand the truth and search the scripture to make sure it is truth. Another thing I want us to recognize from this passage 
is that these deceptions are subtle, but they're designed to cause doubt. So if you think about what the serpent said, he said, did God really say? And God knows that you won't really. And so what is he doing here? He's causing doubt. And so Eve is entertaining this. That's a big mistake. Don't entertain deceptions. But she entertained it, and the devil's subtle lies caused her to doubt. And when doubt enters, that really opens up the door for deception very, very wide. Another thing I want us to realize from this passage is that these type of deceptions make us think and feel like we're missing out, like God is withholding something good from us. And really, that is an attack on the character, the nature, the goodness of God. Because what the serpent there is actually saying is that God's really not good to you. He's lying to you. And that type of deception is hard because when we start feeling like we're missing out and God's the one that is to blame, that's when we know there's huge deception. Here's the truth. God is good. God is always good. And we can trust him no matter what our circumstances are. Hey, if you're enjoying the study on Colossians, then click the subscribe button and the little bell notification so that you'll be notified every week when a new video is released. We really enjoy you being with us and participating with us. So consider sharing, maybe doing a group and using this as a supplemental resource. That would be cool. The second thing I really want us to know about deceptions today is that deceptions appeal to human desires. Now, sometimes that may be an emotional fix, it may be an intellectual fix, or it may be some desire or sinful desire of the flesh, some acting out like that. And so when we look at this and think about it, the truth is this. There are some of us who are drama queens. No. Yeah. I've never been accused of being a drama queen. Believe it or not, some people are drama queens. (laughs) And, you know, they thrive on the emotion of conflict, of, you know, interactions with people that are not what they need to be. So that's where you you find things like gossip, um, negative, backbiting, you know, little deceptions, little things like that to kind of stir things up. The drama queens know what I'm talking about, and so does everyone else because they get drawn into it. But drama queens really, they get going, and that opens the gate really wide for deceptions. And once they get going, it's really hard for them to stop. It is. And so be careful when there's a lot of drama, when there's a lot of emotional interaction, because that emotional interaction can really invite a lot of deceptions. And when those start taking root, you have all kinds of problems. Anxiety, depression, anger, bitterness at one another. So be careful um, of the drama queens who can draw in some of that and really open that door for deception. Now, on the other hand, we must recognize that there are intellectual kings as well as drama queens. And these intellectual kings thrive on things like logic, reason, human philosophy, knowledge. It's all about how much they know. And the intellectual king is proud of how much they know. And they don't mind telling you that. (laughs) They really are thriving on you know, being able to answer questions and explain 
what's happening and why it's happening. They essentially want to be able to explain everything in their world. And so when they do that, they can really fall into a position of intellectual deception, philosophical deception. There's all kinds of things that can come in there. Pride, arrogance, you know what I'm talking about. I do. And often these intellectual kings are very hard on the drama queens. Like they're so much better than the drama queens. Yes. When in fact, they're not. They're not. And here's something that's really interesting to think about. The Bible doesn't promote being emotional, but it also says don't lean on your own understanding. And so there is um, criticism to go on both sides of this issue about emotion and logic. The truth is we need to be led by the Spirit and we need to lean on God's understanding, on God's wisdom, and not on ours. So when it comes to the intellectual kings, we need to be a little careful because they can open the door to deception by human wisdom, by human philosophies, and by explaining everything in their world. Be careful of that. There are also some people who are simply motivated by their desires. These are princes and princesses oh. of the moment. We have all known princes and princesses. Yes, because they want what they want right now. And it doesn't matter what is right or wrong. In fact, don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. They don't want to hear it because what they want is the emotional fix. They want the intellectual fix. They want whatever it is that they want, but they want it right now. And that's dangerous because all that the enemy has to do is put out a little bit of bait and man, they jump in headlong into that deception because if that is what feels good at the moment, if that's what looks good, if that's what they think is good at the moment, just based on their desire, they're in it. And that can be really, really bad. So be careful of being a prince or a princess of the moment. The third thing I want us to know about deceptions today is that deceptions are a distortion of the truth. And we see this in Genesis with Eve and the serpent. He deceived her. He distorted that truth. We also see this when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 4, except Jesus overcame that temptation where Eve didn't. And so what we see there is that what the enemy wants to do in that deception is to take the truth to pull it out of context, to stretch it, to misapply it, or get us to misapply it. And so be really careful because deceptions can be a distortion of the truth. And that's why I really like studying like this because we're studying the entire passage. We're looking at the verses. We're thinking about how they apply. We're not pulling a, a verse out of context. We're trying to keep it in context who it was written to, so that we understand this is the truth that Paul was teaching. Listen to Colossians 2.8 again and think about what Paul is saying here. Be careful that you don't let anyone rob you through his philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the elements of the world, and not after Christ. Father God, I just want to ask that you would reach every person today that's listening to this message that has been drawn into a deception. Maybe that's an emotional fix. Maybe that's a mental thing. 
that the intellect is engaged with. Maybe it's just being here and now and a desire of the moment. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, help us to see areas where we're deceived, and reveal your truth to us. Open our spiritual understanding to the truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the Bible, in your word. Father, I pray that you would deliver us and set our feet on solid ground that we can seek you and worship you. I pray, Father, that you would protect us from deception, that you would help us to see that a long ways out so that we don't fall into that deception. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guard us, that you would protect us, that you would reveal truth to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our passage for next week is Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 15. Yes, we're going to do verse 9 again because it applies to this next passage as well. I want to pull that in and really talk about that a bit more. So our passage next week, Colossians 2, verses 9 through 15, and this is the question for next week. There are three different in him statements in these verses. What do they mean? Thanks for joining us today, and I just pray that Jehovah's peace and joy fills you and guards you and protects you in the name of Jesus. God bless.